Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kyle Fincham. I appreciate you uh, listening, however you're doing it. Um, I have a wonderful conversation to share with you that I had with Ryan Hurst recently. Um, Before I get to it, as always, just a couple of announcements. Um, The first is that I'm going to be teaching a very special class um, for Our Breath Collective. Um, Kimberly Johnson, who I had on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, is part of Our Breath Collective. And then next week, I'll be putting up a podcast with Reese Peluso, who's also uh, one of the founders of Our Breath Collective. And they invited me to teach an online class, and I'm excited to do it. It's going to be on March 7th, which is a Sunday, and it's going to be at 11 a.m. Pacific time, that is 2 p.m. Eastern time, and it'll be a 75-minute class. It's 20 bucks. Um, If you want to sign up, you can just go to ourbreathcollective.com and uh, and check it out and maybe even... uh, join our breath collective as well for their for their daily breaths um also if you're uh enjoying what i'm putting out there you can always join movement brooklyn online where i teach some classes we put up a bunch of content and videos and we have conversations and share ideas for this month we're working on upper body gymnastics so we're putting out videos about muscle-ups and planches and front levers and skin the cats and all those things. And if you're on board, you can always jump in and share the things that you're interested in and, and I can uh, make a tutorial for it if it's something that uh, is in my wheelhouse. So you can always sign up for that by going to movementbrooklyn.com or members.movementbrooklyn.com. Uh, last thing, I... Published a uh, excuse me. I published a blog yesterday um, called "Surprise Yourself." Um, I've worked on it for a little bit here. It's a uh, you know kind of reflects some of the ideas that come up in the conversations with a lot of the the people we have on the podcast. Um, yeah, it might be similar to to some of the directions I had with some questions, but um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm really happy with how it turned out. So if you want to uh, read some of those those thoughts and ideas um you can go to the blog page at movementbrooklyn.com and it should be the 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 top one on there called uh like i said surprise yourself great let's get to the podcast um i i feel really fortunate to have gotten to speak with ryan uh recently we we managed to connect pretty easily considering i'm in boulder and he is in osaka japan um, so he got to tell me a little bit about the future. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I feel really fortunate to have spoken to him. Um, if you don't know, Ryan is the head coach and program director for GMB Fitness. Um, he holds black belts in kendo, judo, uh, and a purple belt in jujitsu. And in, he practiced competitive gymnastics for 10 years. He now lives in Osaka, and he's been in Japan for over 25 years. Um, yeah, I, I really can't say uh, enough good things about this conversation. I am looking forward to traveling to Japan sometime uh, in the not-too-distant future so that um, 
he and I can train together and uh, maybe roll some BJJ. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Here it is, Ryan Hurst. Yeah, so I've been here, what, in Osaka, I think it's like 24 years. Mm -hmm. So 97, and I know that because I just had to um, send in some government documents for some stuff. And I had forgotten because I needed to look at when I received my working visa, my first working visa. It was 97. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I went to university over here. So I've been in Japan longer than that. But, yeah, in terms of being in Osaka, it's been freaking 24 years, man. It's crazy. Wow. Where where are you from originally? I'm originally from Wichita, Kansas. Okay. And, yeah, I grew up there. And then when I was 18, I left. Okay. And so – yeah, man. Had the great opportunity to do some traveling uh, around the world. And um, yeah, long story short, came to Japan for martial arts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's my thing. And so um, ended up staying for a woman. That's how it usually works, right? Yeah, so. That is that is actually how it always works. It starts with martial arts and then you and find then somebody. The and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. That's kind of like how it always is. Yeah. Were you, cool. were you, were you competing in martial arts? So, yeah, I did. And so I, okay. So I came over, okay. Before I came over to Japan, I was in martial art. Well, I did gymnastics, of course, like growing up until I was 18. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing martial arts towards the end of my gymnastics career. I really got into the martial arts of that. So I was doing gymnastics and martial arts at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I went to uni, I guess you'd say in the United States college. Uh, I went to college over in the United States for a couple of years. And during that time though, um, just so interested in the Japanese language aspect of it. And uh, at the college I was at, they, they had, I was the first, I was in the first Japanese class that they offered at their college mm-hmm. and ended up going and doing a homestay for a couple of months here in Osaka just because my um, Japanese instructor is from Osaka. And so she had connections. And so she could hook me up with people who could do homestays. I loved it. And during that time I was doing, you know, I went to the martial art places and I was training. I didn't, I thought I could speak a little Japanese. I couldn't speak any at all, you know, and um, went back and I was like, oh, I got to go to Japan. So applied for a um, exchange student program through a different university in the United States because my, the college I was at didn't offer that, but I was able to go through that. And the reason I chose that area was because of the Kindo Mm -hmm. that they had over here. And so the Kindo and then Judo. And so I came over. And so just from the very beginning, I was doing uh, Judo and Kindo and competed Mm -hmm. and then graduated from, from college university moved back to Osaka because I got a job and then ended up working at a shrine, a Japanese shrine, uh, as martial arts complex within the shrine. Mm-hmm. And so I worked there for eight years and um, got the opportunity to do a lot of different martial arts because I was helping out with the translations and also the interpretation, interpreting for these people, for these instructors. And so, for example, I got to work with like a Daitoryu Aiki Jujitsu guy who's amazing, um, did the Aikido with him as well. Uh, Shorinji Kimpo. Of course, I was doing the judo and the kendo as well, but I also got to do 
uh, try out some other things that I'd never done before. A lot to, uh, not a lot, but a few styles of karate. But um, the judo, I actually ended up training at the castle here. So there's the Osaka castle. Super cool. Dude from Wichita, Kansas, getting to go to this castle, like for real castle, training inside of a castle at the martial arts complex. I was the only non-Japanese there um, consistently. They would have people who would come to visit and you could drop in and, you know, train there. But, but it was mostly like, I wouldn't say invitation only, but you had to be a black belt in order to train there. Mm -hmm. And so it was really good practice. And there was a lot of police officers that were there and ended up, there was a police officer there that invited me to go train at their place. And it just turned out like connections because then he found out that I also worked at, that I worked at um, the shrine. And so anyway, he was like, why don't you come and train? So I ended up training at the uh, Minotoku Keisatsu, which is the the port, Osaka port, um, the port of Japan, um, police station, judo place. And I got to compete on not the police team, but the, uh, what would you call it? Just the regular people, non-Jap, non-police judo team. And so that was really fun. And so I competed a lot and we're talking like not quite every single weekend, but it was pretty much like that. And, um, I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. again, I was like one of the very few non-Japanese, um, in that area which mm-hmm. was kind of cool. There were some other foreigners, of course, and it was fabulous to meet other foreigners and get to do. I remember a guy from Russia that I got to do, and he actually had studied Sambo quite a bit. And so it was really cool to like train with him because completely different than the judo I was learning. And mm-hmm. then, so I was, sorry, long story, but anyway, I would go, I would go, at that time I'd actually changed. I was going two days a week to the castle to do judo. And then of course I was doing judo at the shrine that I was working at. But then I started shifting more towards just going to the police station because I was then on that team that I was competing. And so it was doing that. Then on top of that, was still doing kendo every once in a while. And um, then after that, I got really into Shorinji Kimpo and worked my way up through the ranks there, you know, got black belt and then moved beyond that, getting my other ranks for that and just really loved it a lot. But just in the back of my mind, I'd always wanted to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I actually started and found a place to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but had to quit. And I quit. And that was right when we were kind of getting GMB started. And I wanted to focus more on that. But anyway, what, a couple of years ago, got really, I got back into that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu group, great group of guys. And um, yeah, still doing it today. The train, and, is, I, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I have to assume, I mean, even if you didn't have the rest of the martial arts background coming from just judo into Brazilian jiu-jitsu is quite a leg up. Yeah. It I mean, helped. I will say um, I had some trouble uh, because there were habits uh, ingrained within me that mm-hmm. it's not that you, the, the style of Brazilian jiu-jitsu that the people I was working with, that I still continue to work with, they really like more like more of the modern jujitsu, uh, Brazilian jujitsu. So, uh, which is awesome. And then you've got well, let me just rephrase. Okay, so the group that I'm working with is not a specific school. 
it's really cool because um, when I first started, there were only two black belts that were teaching and they call it a circle, which is just simply a group of people that get together just to research and train together. And so a club, if you will, but it's not really organized in the sense that there's a curriculum or anything like that. It's, it's literally like guys who train in different places, but get together on the weekends. And then maybe once uh, one other time during the week to get together, to learn from each other Mm -hmm. and to really just enjoy the art of that martial art. And, and I will say, and I, you know, maybe not a good place to get into it. I, I really believe there's a huge differentiation between martial art, fighting, and self-defense. And so I want to be really percent right. And so I want to be really clear here that that you know what I'm talking about right now when I'm doing my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the art aspect of it, mm-hmm. in terms of um, wanting to just learn and explore and enjoy. And not, I'm not competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at all. Mike, I've decided that I did not, I don't want to compete anymore. Uh, I, tr- I right now in my life, you know, I'm going to be 50 next year, and so it's like I just want to continue to be able to continue. Yeah. And so you know, that's it. And what I'm saying is, when I first started, though, there was these two black belts, and now we've got five uh, in this group, and it's really cool that they all have these different styles. And that's really what I wanted to say. And so when I came into it with my judo background, um, there were certain things that I was still set on. And I was really lucky to be able to work with these people who were able to look at me and say, okay, that's cool. Let's kind of try this as well, because this might be a good way for you and a good style for you to do. And so it was great because there wasn't, like a single instructor saying, okay, this is how I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, therefore you need to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of really what I just wanted to say. So yes, it was great that I had that background in Judo, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of things and uh, thanks to the guys that I worked with and also a girl who's a brown belt that helped me as well. Um, I say girl, cause she's still so young, but that was able to say, okay, there are other ways and, and ways you know, to do this here's an idea, let's explore this and then see how it's going to work for you. And so now, you know, that I've been a purple belt now for two years, I've had the opportunity to kind of find my style, if you will, still kind of working, but it's interesting because I actually decided that I'm not going to look at this as, okay, I already do judo. So therefore I'm going to do this. I would just was like, okay, I just want to start at the beginning. And I tried to do that. And so while I did kind of have a foundation, I really tried to look at it as a way, as a learning opportunity. And it was great because I was able to go, oh, I used to do this in judo, but with Brazilian jiu-jitsu in this case, this would be better. And, and especially for me. And so therefore I just focused on doing that. And so I think, you know, that was another way where I was able to, I don't want to say advance, but to be able to really um, go deeper uh, within what I wanted to do in a way that um, has allowed me to continue to enjoy it rather than thinking that uh, I need to crush a person or I need to defeat a person or anything. Cause I'm like so far, like not interested in that right now. Anytime I'm on the mat with anybody right now, it's simply like, okay, how can we help each other and enjoy it and not get hurt? That's a huge mm-hmm. one. Well, you're and talking, so, you're, you're talking yeah. about this thing that it's like one of my favorite topics. Um, it's the idea of like, 
a game can be played in two ways, right? So like if it's, we're taking jujitsu and we're thinking like competitive jujitsu, like you need to develop a game, you need to become competent and you, and you play to your competence. Yeah. And I totally get that because that's kind yeah. of like narrowing in on like the specialization or like, I'm going yep. to like do it this way. Exactly. And then there's the way that you're talking about, which is like the playful way where it's like, we get to continue to be playful and, and take the risks. And like, we don't yes. narrow in on that way of winning all the time. And I talked to someone who was a, a, a teacher at my school in New York, and he had talked a lot about being playful and like, obviously it's, you know, for the competitors trying to find that place of bouncing in between the two. Um, mm. But sometimes, and I don't know if he said this or if I said it, but kind of like that oftentimes there are people who are the people who are just like you and I, who should be playing playfully and taking the risks and trying and feeding our intelligence, who get almost caught up on playing to win. But yeah, in, and, and sometimes that's not, they don't know, they haven't, captured that message or it's not communicated well but like the idea of being like yeah like be playful you know like sure it, yeah. you know like if you're just getting on the mat and you're just with your like group of 10 people or even in, in a jujitsu school like if you're not a competitor then like yeah like play and and that's the thing too i think this is so this is great and i love talking about this i didn't know we were going to really be talking about this so but mm -hmm. fabulous and i could just talk for days but but the thing is is like it kind of comes back to what i was talking about in terms of like self-defense and then martial art aspect of it, and then fighting. And you can, let's put the self-defense side of it to the side for just a second, and we look at the fighting. I look at that as like competition, if you will, where there are rules and there are certain things and certain uh, goals that you have in order to achieve X. Not that they're not in martial art, but, but in terms of judo, let's look at judo and competition in judo. Um, that was my life. That's what I did. I was, you know, when I showed up for practice, let's just say I wasn't a nice guy like I am now. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like when I get on the mat, I was like, I'm here to, to crush you. I want, that's my goal. And so in that mindset, you can lose focus of the fact that other people also have other goals. Mm -hmm. Likewise, in my place right now, and sounds like you too, if we look at only play all of the time and think that everyone else should be playing all of the time, we're also not being fair to the other people who are in a different place in their life right now. And so this is, this is why, um, this is another thing that's that I really love about the group of people that I get to get to uh, train with in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu right now is that depending on your goal, we'll separate and focus on that goal. So let's say, for example, coming back, there's a guy, there's a brown belt, and he had a competition coming up. Okay. So there it was when we all got together, it was okay, who wants to help him? for competition because the mindset changes and what you know it's not just hey let's play no this guy has a spe specific need and therefore he needs to focus on a particular aspect of his game in order to win and the mindset is different whereas the rest of us are just like 
it's all good. You know what I mean? So, so, you know, this is something that I think about a lot and especially within GMB, when we have people come into GMB, it's not, if, if I were to just tell a person, let's just play all the time. As I hate saying this term, but coach, as you know, a coach, it's my responsibility to look at that person and say, all right, what is that person coming into this for? What are their wants? And more importantly, what are their needs? And a lot of time people don't really know what those needs are. And that's why you have a coach, but it can also come down to before you play, you need to understand how to do X. So for example, something, you know, in my personal life, I like to think about is learn to explore. It's not learn to explore. It's first learn in order to explore. And so like anything, you need that foundation first before you can just start doing something. And the example would be, I saw one of your videos, Ryan. I tried it and I couldn't do it. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. But coming again back to uh, the asset of martial art, it's the same thing. You know, when you get on the mat, um, play can be good in order to help a person to relax, in order to get uh, past the fear of being on the mat. Because as soon as a person says martial art or something like that, they think you're going to start fighting. And uh, they have this image of you have to crush a person in order to do it. And so they're only focusing on that rather than thinking about how they move. And, you know, let's be honest, a punch is this, but the magic happens in the transitions. How can you put things together in order to accomplish a particular task? The better that you can move allows you to go deeper into that. That doesn't matter, you know, in the conversation in terms of it could be for play, it can be for competition, it can be for self-defense. We're talking it all has to be something that you've worked on a lot, spent a lot of time practicing, doing the thing and not just doing the thing, but doing it for lack of a better term, correctly. And I mean correctly by what is going to be correct for you in terms of what you need and how you want to move and what you want out of that. And, mm. but it's all about the foundational thing of it, right? So play, coming back to your thing though, is that's, I think, after a lot of time and experience of going through certain phases, um, play can actually just happen. And, um, you know, coming back to what uh, the person that you're talking to as well is, where play can actually sometimes turn into a competition is where that person has just not quite hit that place in their life where they're comfortable saying, it doesn't matter if I, well, even beyond that, not even comfortable being losing, but not even thinking about that because that's not even on their mind. There mm -hmm. is no win, no lose. It's, it's like, I'm trying to work on myself in my life. We're looking at everything as a win, like literally everything is a win. And because you learn, and so right. like, 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 yeah. a, like, a, like a submit being submitted is not a loss. That was just a lesson. And the lesson huge continues. to me. It's a win, yeah. and that's the beauty. To be perfectly honest, of something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you can put this. You can put pressure on yourself and on another person. And I'm not talking like mental pressure. I'm talking literal pressure. You can pressurize this, and you can tap and go again just how amazing is that because you're like oh you got you got me okay let's do it again and you have the opportunity to try and learn from that or you can be like 
blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I lost. Ah, and then try and crush that guy. Okay. And so that, that, you know, there's that difference. And you could see that right away. You know, it's like I do a lot of stand up with my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, guys because they're not stand up guys in terms of having, you know, that background for throwing and things. And they, but they want to get better at it. And so it's funny because the rules completely reverse. And so usually when it's on the ground, I'm, I've got that pressure and I'm just like, you know, flailing with my, you know, black belt instructors and stuff like that. And they're, they're really just smiling, laughing and the rules change. And so, you know, you can see where when a person is very comfortable, they can have that mindset of saying, okay, this is play for me. Mm-hmm. But as soon as something becomes challenging and the water, you know, becomes deeper and they're not used to being there then you can see where that changes but i think that's good and that's why i also think it's very important to not just get so comfortable in a single thing that you think that that is where it's at um since we're talking about martial art this is my thought on the matter too is where we can see a lot of the traditional martial arts whether it be aikido aikido shorinji kempo you know different styles of karate where they're saying, no, our art is the most superior art, period. And they don't actually put it into competition or things like that. And what happens is you can have these blinders mm-hmm. and saying, okay, you know, this is for self-defense. And is it really? You know, that that's my kind of thing where, okay, it's an art. And, and this is a lot of people get their panties in a bunch when you start talking about this. But, you know, to me, self-defense, you know, is also like, okay, have you practiced running away from an attacker? Have you practiced situational awareness? You know, um, you know, that to me is, is an, that's self-defense to me. It's, it's not just being able to, you know, to whatever that is. So, you know, that's why I like to differentiate between the thing. And I think a lot of people, this is also where that competition side of people can kind of, you know, arise in that thinking that the thing that they're doing is the best for everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you even see that in the movement world. If you I was about, I was about to say, I was like, that, that transcends into like everything like that's right. like, but, yeah. but movement is such a great example where they like whatever school they're in there yeah. like well this is this is it this, this is it and it's like, yeah you know jujitsu you know. is a good example of like almost accepting in varying degrees that like it's not it and that's why it keeps growing like you like you see new, man. new shit in jujitsu pop up out. all the time right? it's alive yeah it's like crazy you know and, and that's the same with like dance too like you see that like exactly. a form that keeps getting added to it and like i think i get skeptical when i look at movement camps or something yes. yeah where yeah there's like a ceiling and then it's just like, well, here's, that's it. Yeah. And that's, so this is obviously something that, that we've bumped into a lot. Um, I mean, hopefully the shows, but we're super open to like everything, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like what you see is what you get with us. And um, the big thing is us. It's the three of us that started it, Andy Mm -hmm. Jarlow and I, and we all have different backgrounds. And we've never wanted this to be like, this is the only thing you do. And we make that very clear. If GMB is the only thing that you're doing, then why are you, you know, what's the deal? And so with, we have tr- uh, our trainers that go through 
I mean, even that is different than some of the other places out there. We were reluctant to have certifications in the beginning, GMB, but we understand that if people do want to share this, it would be nice for them to know how we do things and why we do it so that they can teach it in their own style, if that makes sense. So it's not, it has to be this way. It's, we teach concepts and the theory and it's not about a particular movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're a little skeptical because we didn't want it to be like a weekend certification. And again, some people are going to be like, oh, you're talking about, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. Okay. I'm just talking about. Well, well, well I, I, it's okay though. I'll, I'll take the brunt of it because I'm, I've, I wrote a piece about my kind of disdain for weekend certifications and, and things like that. So it's cool. Yeah. And yeah. I was with it, you know, before GMB, my, my position in another fitness organization was, I went around the world certifying people in these two day and three day certifications and um, great, whatever. But when we got into GMB um, with our, with our you know, martial art background, as well as, you know, me being in Japan, Andy's in Japan and, and the culture of that, we called it, and we call it the apprenticeship. And the way that we look at it is you need to take time in order to, you know, process this stuff. And it's, it's, it's just like getting your black belt in martial art. And to me, black belt, well, (laughs) in Japan, everybody for their black belt, shodan, which if you look at the characters for that is first step, literally first step. It doesn't mean it's the end. It's where you start. And so, for example, the, the the GMB apprenticeship to me is simply where you're getting your black belt, if you will, (laughs) And that's kind of just showing me that you're really serious about actually learning and moving beyond and, and trying to go with it. And the big thing with me, again, it's, it's learn the concepts and the method that we have here in GMB so that you can teach it in your own manner. It's not a script that you follow that I write. So you speak like me, heaven forbid, you know, it's not, it has to be this way. It's Okay. For this particular thing this is how we feel it is and then we always tell i always tell my trainers learn more stuff go out do other certs learn from you know other people different movement camps if you will um you know kettlebells everything as much as you can in order to find um you know not only what you enjoy but how you feel that you can better help other people that you want to serve, if you will. And so that's really, to me, very important. Instead of saying, this is the way, this is the way, and that's it. And there are places out there, uh, you know, martial art is the same, where they won't let you go train with other groups. Mm. If you go train with another group, then therefore you must leave this particular group. Does that happen in Japan? Um, It used to, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. it's it's changed it's it's really interesting and if you're looking at martial art specifically so much has changed in terms of how things are viewed a big thing a big part of that is the brazilian jiu-jitsu influence now uh mixed martial art and you're looking at like pride um the 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 uh, event 
pride that they have the mixed martial art uh, but you know started all the way back when you're looking at things like pancreas with uh, over here which was a mixed uh, way of fighting mixed martial art fighting style here and you saw influences from different places being merged together into this and you know you do still have the traditionalists and it gets pretty petty mm-hmm. you know um it's actually why I left Shodanji Kimpo. My instructor, I was very, I'm just, I've been so lucky because I've just had these fabulous instructors who are just, who I still keep in touch with. With, you know, my kendo instructor, pretty much every weekend I call him because he's like my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I lived with him and his, he took me in and I did what's called a uchi dishi where you live as a student. You do that. And so I did kendo with, you know, and so, but my Shodanji Kimpo instructor, he, uh, he's the technique. Uh, he's the technical advisor uh, for all of Japan for the actual techniques for Shoniji Kimpo. Just lucky because I met this guy and ended up training under him. And, and so he gave me all of my ranks, um, you know, black belt and beyond. He told me that I needed to get out of Shoniji Kimpo because of some of the, the political stuff that was going on. And he said that you probably don't want to be involved with that side of things. He says, um, because I was really interested in going deeper. And he said, you know, still train. He said, but don't get wrapped up into the political BS, if you will, of that sort of thing. And so I was very lucky to have him help me with that. Um, before things got really weird and they did kind of get a little weird. Um, yeah, sorry. Kind of went off on a tangent there, but yes, it, it, it is interesting. And the reason why is because people want to protect what they've created. And, that's the thing that I feel like I see thing. that I feel like I sometimes see from the top and I've never lived in Asia, so I can't really compare, but I always feel too, that like here, like in the United yeah. States, sometimes it's almost from the bottom where people like, it's almost like people want to be on teams so badly that like That's right. they're they willing to be that. like, they're willing to be like, Oh, like I'm telling you my thing is the best thing. And it hasn't even come from the top. They're like, I'm That's exactly right. Pick whatever the thing is. I, this is the thing and I'm not going anywhere else because That's right. I, I have to wear my shirt and my Jersey. Exactly. And it's very interesting. And I mean, <laughs> the people at the top typically get along very well. <laughs> like, like, a great example is when I was working at that martial arts complex for eight years. I remember God, the instructors from, from the different martial arts would go drinking together after practice. I mean, and talk to each other about like stuff. And, and we're talking like these guys, they were, they were like in their 60s, you know. And, and beyond, I'm not saying like these younger guys who were sort of the new breed of, no, we're talking like the old dudes who like, or were, you know, and, and this is like almost 20 years ago that I'm talking about. So, you know, that's very interesting. And what usually happens is exactly what you said is you've got usually, and it's usually the lower belts mm-hmm. who actually talk the smack. And, you know, and actually cause problems for um, the rest of the group. Yeah, I'm not saying at all. And, you know, but I'm just saying in general. And the thing is, is I get it. They're very passionate about wanting to belong. Uh, they're, they're very, yeah, they're still trying to say, okay, they want to believe that this is something that they can still believe in. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally get it. And it's only human nature to be that way. 
I think, um, though, that people can get sucked into that if they're not careful. And it goes, I mean, we're not just talking martial art, we're talking, you know, especially looking at what's going on in the United States right now, you can go even beyond that. And so mm -hmm. I think the other thing too, in terms of Japan, a big thing to look at is the fact that in Japan, they were at war for so long and uh, within the country, within, you know, their particular areas of Japan against Japan, mm -hmm. thousands of years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, that idea of protecting your secret techniques, um, you know, so that you can take care of your own was so ingrained into that. And then also looking at Japan as well, it's an island country. And so, you know, per, where are they going to go? You know, and so, it's about us. It's always in Japan kind of been about us. And so this is where you could also see uh, that also was in the, uh, the, the business culture as well, this company as a family and you join a company and you, know, you work your ass off to get into that company mm -hmm. and you know that you have a job for the rest of your life. It's not the case right now. This has changed. I'm talking like you know, looking at history in the way that a lot of things are. And so it's, it's actually that that martial culture uh, is very present within uh, the society, because that's how it was. And a lot of people talk like Bushido and things like that, that we're talking like, even before that thing, that was the culture. And so that in Japan was just that way. And so things were very protected. And a lot of that, uh, once the martial arts started to move out, of course, you know, from China, you see that, uh, you know, in Okinawa, which were originally the Ryukyu Islands uh, before Japan um, overtook, you know, those islands and called them Okinawa. You had a group of guys that uh, went to China to learn Kung Fu. You know, they brought back their own variation of it, if you will. And even if you look at that, the history of that is fascinating because they even changed that when they presented it to the Honshu, which is the main islands of Japan, when Japan asked them to create a martial art for self-defense for their military forces. So, I've heard um, that. Anyway. I've heard that story yeah. before. That is an interesting one, but it, it, so much of this also comes back around to kind of where we were at just a few minutes ago, talking about like winning and dominating and forcing and everything. And, and yeah. I don't know if you ever read, have you ever read the book finite and infinite games? Oh yes, absolutely. Yes. I, I, Andy, that, Andy Fawcett, that's, he loves that book by the way. So yeah. So I, that was <laughs> just kind of like churning in my head when you were talking about that. Cause it's like, yeah. you know, taking that, like, um, you know, what happens if we, we aren't so rivalrous, you know, if we're a little more collaborative and, and working with each yeah. other. And yeah, it's, there's so much, yeah, this is very interesting. I absolutely had no idea that our chat today was going to be this, but, um, <laughs> Which is cool because I actually don't have the opportunity to talk so much about martial art. Um, mm -hmm. This is something that I'm obviously very passionate about. And um, I hope I said everything correctly. There might be some things where, you know, I kind of mungled up the uh, the actual interpretation of it. But, you know, I, looking through that lens, um, the, the other thing that you find are the you know, why do people get into martial art? That's extremely interesting. And why do they get into this movement culture, if you will? And, you know, why do they do bodybuilding? And why do they do X? You know, to me, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. It all comes back to a certain 
insecurity, if you will, um, that they either want to improve or they want to hide. And, um, you know, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything like that, but it's just thinking about myself, you know, like, why did I get into martial art? You know, looking at that, and it's always interesting when I meet other martial artists and we actually have the opportunity to open up with each other and talk and you learn that there's similar reasons sometimes for getting into it. And um, then when you stick with it, though, it's also interesting to see how things change. And then you can look back and you're just like, wow, you know, and it just kind of reminds me of the thing where it's just like when you start off you know, and you do something and everything's new and it's exciting. And, you know, you do it and there's that honeymoon period. And then after it kind of starts to fade away, but then once you stick with it, you start to go deep and then you start thinking that, you know, it, and then, you know, you start to think, you know, it, so you start to, you know, teach other people and think, Oh, this is the way or something. And then as you get deeper, you realize there's so much that you actually don't know. And you, you kind of get embarrassed and with yourself, you know, but you're just like, well, oh my gosh, you know, I'm at this point though now where I'm teaching this thing. So, you know, I got to keep doing it, but then you start finding your own interpretations of it and then trying to like, hopefully share those with others and things really change. And then the very, you start to understand that you're still just like learning from the very beginning. Well, and also Basically they, talking they, about GMB here. So, yeah, yeah but, anyway. but it's, but, but you're, you're kind of like talking about that, like critical moment where you like you, you, whatever, you've been teaching something and you think, you know, something, and then all of a sudden you realize, you know, basically nothing. And I feel like every person who's a teacher who could listen to this Absolutely. would know that moment, but I think it's a critical moment because I think a lot of us hold on and try to almost keep ourselves held back for fear of, of admitting that like, we, we don't know as much, or maybe things have changed or yes. that we're switching gears. We're yeah. afraid that like, we're going to seem like a hypocrite or something. That, that's right. And, right. and, and that's like, but that, but embracing that that's like part of growth or not even, I don't, I don't even like the word growth. That growth is a, but I know what you're saying. Cause that's like yeah. upward trajectory and it's yeah, not exactly. upward, it's, it's, it's yeah. a cross yeah. it, that it's, that it's part of living that change yeah, is part exactly. of living. And, and, and if people don't kind of appreciate that about where you're coming from, well, that's fine because maybe they'll figure it out later on. But like, that's, that's the thing. Yes, like, exactly. And in some ways, tough. in some ways, it's yeah. like, if you have a teacher who you're uh-huh. kind of watching change, at least where I'm at now, I'm like, I appreciate that. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, I hear. And, and I, I've been very lucky to be around those people as well, where, you know, with them long enough where you see them and then you start to see other things. And the cool thing about that is if you are aware of that, it helps you mm-hmm. to actually, hopefully, I don't want to say figure out, but bring better awareness to your own personal journey faster. And so this is why, you know, it can be difficult to be in the limelight, if you will. And I think it can be especially difficult if you're not actually honest and you're trying to play a particular part. And I mean, we all are playing a part in life, if you will, you know, the world's a stage, all that, yada, yada. But, but this is why I'll see people trying to portray themselves in a different light instead of just being like, hey, why don't you just be yourself? Yeah. And, you know, this is very difficult for me um, 
in the very beginning stages of GMB because you want to share, but you want to do it in a way where you know certain things and you want to get those across. And you have to understand though that it's going to be misinterpreted and people are going to look at you in a certain way. And, and you need to make sure that you try to continue to be yourself when you're doing it, but get better at trying to be a teacher. And that's what's so difficult. And uh, I'm still learning just so much and just trying to just tap out, you yeah. know, faster so that I can, you know, go back and practice again. And, and it's very tough. And we've gone through a lot of different phases, especially in GMB and, you know, especially right now where, it's, it's, we're trying to make sure that I wouldn't say trying to make sure, but it's, you know, looking at, all right, we're not trying to teach everybody. Okay. Like if a person wants to be the best hand balancer in the world, then, Hey, don't come to me. Okay. Really. I would rather have you go to someone like you've all on hands mm-hmm. or, you know, whomever that is really, that's what they do. And they're fabulous at doing it. Uh, don't come to me. If you want to learn how to do like barbell squats kettlebell you know things like that or to be perfectly honest like if if you're a young person who's really like i just want to get the planche that's all i want to do and i've got like four hours every single day to work on it i'm like sweet dude (laughs) i'm like maybe this person would be better to you know work with you know or physique based or something like that and so what i'm trying to say is that over the years we're really trying to nail down exactly like these are the kind of people that we want to work with and this is what we are. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is what we can provide and not try to be, just be like, Oh yeah, no problem. I can teach you. Yeah. No problem. Mm -hmm. Come on. And so um, been very lucky because it's the three of us and, and to start off with, but it's much more because we've got the trainers who bring all their experience and with that. And we've got, you know, our staff who have things, um, but you know, really it's just Andy Jarlow and I, to be honest, not trying to do more exercise. That's not what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We actually want to be able to just do, to get good at, you know, being able to do that stuff so that it can help us for the other activities that we want to do, you know, our mm-hmm. martial art, you know, my hiking, me being outdoors, whatever else it is. I love skills. You know, me, I'm always going to be that way. I'm not trying to say that I don't think people should do skills, you know, handstands, one arm handstands, planches, front levers, all that stuff. I love, of course, you know, but the thing is um, it's to me, one of those things kind of like if you were to go back and look at those three separations of self-defense, martial art, and then the fighting aspect of it, you know, it's kind of like, all right, it's first, no matter what, you just need to get your foundation down. And once you have that foundation down, then you can kind of choose where you want to go with it. And so that's, that's something that, that I want to start, you know, the people that come to me, I really want them to understand that is that, okay, do you have that foundation down? Because once you do have that down, you pretty much do whatever you want. There's, there's a lot of different paths that you can go down. You can, you you can take that and you can ride that wave into a lot of different places. It's almost like you're, it's, it sounds like you're kind of saying like, oftentimes people have the 
and and I, maybe it's like Instagram, maybe it's just like like consumer culture where it's almost like you know they want to skip to like being a specialist at something before they've been Everything. like a, before they've developed like all that really interesting magic that comes from like just doing the generalist. work. Yeah, and and and, and 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 it's both it's like both physical and it's an intellectual. You know yes, what I mean? It's exactly like it, yeah. you absorb yeah. so much creativity just by like I don't know the right way to say. Maybe it's just like doing things that that allow you to like feel that sense of embodiment, right? Where you're like you're getting all That's this it. intelligence on top of like whatever strength and mobility and all the things, and they yeah. skip that. They're like, let me just jump straight to this other thing. And let me do the sparkly, like, shiny skill that I saw that that you did that you've been training for like 10, 15 years to be able to do. Yeah. Right, and 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 before the ten to fifteen years you probably, that person was Even also probably, before that. they were probably doing the things that fed all their intelligence. That's exactly I right. I always yeah. talk about, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the 30 for 30 on Bo Jackson. No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, I mean, dude, it's so good. Yeah. Um, right, yeah Cause he's, he's just too cool. And like, especially <laughs> from like that era, he was just like, yeah, I hear you, man. Yeah. But his 30 for 30, you know, people get caught up on like the baseball and the football. But what they don't realize when he was a kid, he was just like running and jumping over cars and yes. skipping stones and trying yep, to learn how to go. do a backflip in two feet of water. And I'm like, you guys got to do that thing. Don't jump to like hitting home runs. Like right. all right. that stuff fed him in ways that like could help him swing that way. And and it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about when it comes that's to exactly GMB. That's exactly what it is. And mm -hmm. you know, it's... I just gave a great promo too. If you do GMB, you're the next Bo Jackson. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. I would like a cut of, no. but, um, but, the, but you know, the thing is, it's, it's, the majority of people that are coming into GMB are coming in, um, you know, you know, late twenties, you know, thirties, even forties and beyond. And it's, and it's like, all right, Ryan, I understand you were a gymnast your entire life. That's why you can do this stuff. And you were a martial artist. And I'm here to say, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. But the thing is, is with that, and to be honest, thanks to my many multiple injuries that I've had over the years, and we're talking like major injuries, mm -hmm. ugh, that has also helped me to actually take a step back and say, all right, oh my goodness, I literally can't walk right now. I have to learn how to walk again learn how to squat again, learn how, you know, how to do all this different stuff. How can then I get better and look at this in a way that could possibly help other people. And so that, that's been great. Um, you know, another way of saying, you know, I tapped, didn't tap soon enough. You know, I, that's not how I got injured by the way, but I'm just saying metaphorically, you know, what, what, what were the injuries? <clears throat> so first one was actually, <laughs> so, uh, I was 18. And I just graduated from high school and um, I went to my martial art practice and I was warming up and I had my leg extended and I was like in a straddle and I lowered it and my leg was straight and a guy tripped and fell on my knee. Oh man. That, that was it. And it was during a warm up. And so uh, anyway, I had knee surgery. And then, um, then the next one, major one, was uh, actually in judo, and I was thrown, and um, <laughs> was thrown, 
And I was stupid because I thought I'd still could continue. And it, it was, it hurt. I thought I was fine. And then, I don't know, it was like a couple months even, you know, afterwards in a competition, I was thrown again, same throw. And my arm was behind when the guy threw me and, and a complete dislocation, tore ligaments in my shoulder, reconstructive surgery. And I had a screw put in my uh, shoulder. And then the other one was our skateboarding. This is four years, four and a half years ago. It's on a half pipe. And I was on, I was, I was at a place that had never been before and just warming up. And there was a crack in the half pipe that I didn't see. And my wheel caught and I was at the very top and I fell and my foot got entangled in the skateboard. And when I fell, I hit the bottom. And what happened is broke it to the outside and the skateboard flung my ankle and it went completely turned around. So I shattered my ankle and I had a plate with nine screws. I had seven on one side and then two on the other. And then, uh, yeah. And so had that happened, that's where I couldn't walk. And so I went through rehab with that. Um, a year later, almost that happened in August. And then in November of the next year, I had all that taken out and then, you know, went through rehab again to be able to do that. But I, you know, if you see my videos now, you'll see that I can move. Okay. <laughs> um, right now. But the thing is, again, it was me going back and looking at that and what it all came down to, to be perfectly honest, was me being realistic and honest with myself about where I was in my life at that time. Um, those injuries probably shouldn't have happened. Yeah. It, it was interesting as you were, as you were talking about them, just because knowing you're hearing about your background now, I was kind of prepared for at least one overuse injury and yeah, no, and none of them, they're all, yeah, they're all kind of like really like the, yeah. like freak injuries, like, yeah, like, yeah. Real, like lottery type injuries. Yeah. That is very, yeah. I, as far as overuse, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I've been sore and different things, but like, you know, there was another thing where uh, in Trinity Kempo, there was a guy and he cranked my wrist too much and I hurt my wrist and it affected my handstand, things like that. But the thing is, again, it was like, I wouldn't necessarily say it's so much overuse so much as me kind of just not being smart right. at that time. Matter of fact, not being smart at that time, even like thinking back, you know, to when I was warming up, that was also that my fault. I shouldn't have been warming up in that area. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, you know, the whole judo thing too, it's like, I shouldn't have been competing that time because my shoulder was messed up, you know, but that was the ego in me, the skateboard thing as well. I mean, I was looking to do skateboarding for a particular reason and was just being stupid and doing stuff that I was not prepared for. And, mm -hmm. and looking back hindsight, you know, Hey, great, whatever, you know, but that really helped me to change a lot and look at myself and, and really um, go deep. So, is so it, again, you know, so is it not just physically, it, but mentally as well. So is it through these injuries that kind of that GMB grew out of a little bit? Is that, is, was that helped? Kind of like I will definitely say it helped. Um, mm -hmm. The first injury, for example, with my shoulder was before we started GMB. And mm -hmm. so I, I stopped that injury 
forced me to stop judo. And um, because at the time I was teaching fitness, you know, and I couldn't teach and it was affecting my livelihood. My wife basically is like, no, you're done. And I was like, yes, ma'am. You know, and, <laughs> and so that I need, I was kind of like, okay, well this happened. And, you know, I was trying to look at different ways of training and things like that. And it kind of sparked this, the stuff that I was working on. And then, you know, Jarlo and I were talking and, and the, the way I was kind of doing things in training and Jarlo suggested, Hey, we should, you know, start doing this stuff. And, you know, there was other projects that we're working on together, but definitely, yeah, that's the way it looked at it. And, you know, would I do things differently if I had to start over? Uh, yes, but no, because thanks to the way that we did it, we are here now, mm-hmm. but I will say though, thanks to a lot of different stuff, not just my injuries, but you know, the relationships that we have in GMB, um, being able to work together and continue to work together, looking at um, the feedback that people give us and um, just basically trying to be smart about as smart as we can about things and understanding that in order for us to be better, we need to accept that what we were doing before right now is probably not the best way and saying, okay, we did it this way before, but we realized that there is a better way now because we've learned. And so trying to move in a way where we're constantly um, improving, uh, updating and thinking of ways where it's not just us now, it's how it's all the user experience right now. Yeah. Whereas I think, you know, especially in the very beginning was very focused on look at me because it kind of had to be because we, it was one of those things where, to prove that we had the goods, if you will. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest, I've never been good at showing off. That was, it's always been difficult. Like, look, and then take my shirt off or, you know, something like that. And um, I've done it, you know. But even today, I feel weird shooting videos and putting them on Instagram or talking to the camera or interviewing, you know, like right now, because I'm yeah. just like, who the hell wants to listen to me? You know what I mean? Like, but, but again, that, that, that's another thing where if you look at a lot of things out there are very ego driven in terms of the fitness world. Well, I mean, I would, I would argue most of them. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I I think it was, I, I said it, I was interviewing somebody yesterday and I mentioned this video that, um, fighting monkey, Yosef Rusek. Yeah. Put out. And it was just part of his lecture and they often put out some of his pieces and he was saying something like the, the most valuable stuff doesn't get likes. No, 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 no. Like that's that's exactly, I totally agree with that. All the high value stuff is not going to get as many likes and the stuff that's like, not as like, it's not that it's not great. It's cool. It can be disciplined and all the things I don't want to take away from some of that stuff. Yeah, man. But that the highest of value things is not going to get all the likes. No, it's so true, man. It's, and, and there's different ways to look. I mean, a lot of people get upset about that and, um, nah, you know, people want the flash, man. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's in everything. I mean, martial art, especially, I mean, look at these, this cool, like techniques and all this stuff. And it was just like, okay, great. How's your stance? 
they're like, ah, you know, you could just see it. Just like, you know, I'm just like, to me, that's where the magic is. But then again, you know, I'm a little weird that way. You know, I'm the kind of guy who's like, you know, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. I remember when I was first learning, there was a pass. There was a particular pass. And we're talking like basic. It was just super basic. And of course, he's black belt, you know, and he's at the point where when he teaches the class, people want to see something different in each class. And I was doing private lessons with him. And I was like, can we drill this pass? He's like, of course. And we drilled it and drilled it and drilled it. And and he was thinking like five minutes or something. I did for an hour. And then the next class, I was just like, can we drill that pass again? He was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, we did it for a month. And that's like, like that pass to me now is just like natural, you know, right. to do it. And, you know, not only that, but then I pressure checked it on different people when I was rolling and, you know, all this different stuff. And so the thing is though, to me, that's where the beauty is. And to me, that stuff is the flashy stuff because it allows you to just do the other stuff without sometimes even knowing you're doing it. And so it's not going to get the likes just like you said, but when I say, and I, and I was yeah. saying that like, you know, you know, the things that are, that are going to get us places for real. And then maybe this could be said outside of movement and martial arts is creativity and resourcefulness. Right. Yeah. And whether it's something that we're doing physically or anything, but like the more creative and resourceful we are, the more adaptable we're going to be. Yes. And Absolutely. we get more creative and, and resourceful by taking risks, playing, surprising ourselves, um, you know, being playful, all those things. And it's not, and none of those things to me actually capture like the flashy things or like getting jacked. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. The other thing too, like if I look at like survival in terms of like outdoors, because that's a huge part of my life too. I growing up Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, and continued to go even beyond that. And even in Japan, I still, it's huge for me. But that is actually what's what gets you out of situations is how creative can you get in thinking beyond just like, okay, this or this or this. But that only happens when you have particular skills to work off of. And so just like what you said, can you play? Can you be resourceful? And, you know, the way to do that again is what we talked about in the very beginning is the first having that foundation. And that's, I think, why I'm so, I just harp on that all the time. And so that's like in GMB, when you come in, people are just like, what program should I do? I want to do this and I want to do this and this. And they can sometimes get like kind of disappointed when I'm just like, once you start with elements and they're like, it's just the bear monkey frogger. And I'm like, well, that's what you see. And, that, and I don't say that, of course, but I mean, it's just like, I'm like, yeah, but I mean, you know, like just start there. And, you know, you find people where they'll work through it, especially because we just updated. I just rewrote um, elements. And so the 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 progress through it and everything, it's, it's different from the, from the previous four versions of it. But, um, but yeah, it's funny because people go through it and they're just like, oh my God, like, it kind of makes sense, you know, where I'm like the bear, I see, you know, a handstand, you know, you know, and with like the frogger, I see things where, you know, the entry to the handstand or the monkey is a cartwheel or you know, even beyond, you know, you know, the crab is, is, is equated to like the L sit and things like that. And so like 
moving beyond that, but the problem is, is that if you just get so focused on thinking that you should be right here and want to get here, the process itself can, um, you can get stuck because you're so focused on getting here that you're, you're not seeing the beauty in what's actually right in front of you. And it's and, and, like, and, and yeah. you're forgetting that you can be stoked about not getting there. That's if, the it, thing. if it doesn't arrive, if you're stoked about the just being on the road. That's exactly right. And, and here's one other thing I want to say, and this is thanks to my, my gymnastics coach, Mark Folger. He, he said, there's no move that you'll never get. And, and, you know, if you think about that, it's like, okay, well, whatever, dude. Okay. But if you really think about it, it's like, what does that really mean? Like, so he was just basically saying two things, just do the work. You'll eventually get it. But the thing is, is you don't need to worry about it just as long as you put in the work. And so mm-hmm. it, he would always say this to me. He was just like, you know, I was like, okay, this is this new skill. And he would be the one, okay, all right, in your routine, this is a new skill that we're going to put in there. And I remember like, cause I was with him from very young age all the way until I was 18. And so it was just basically just like, all right, cool. And I just knew he would be like, here's a new skill that you're going to be doing. Here's where you're going to start. I was like, cool. And I didn't even need to think about it. Cause I was just like, ah, sweet. I'm going to be able to do that skill period. I mean, that was it. And for good or bad, that's how I looked at everything my entire life. If there's a particular skill that, that I'm like, Oh, that looks really cool in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to get that skill. And it might sound cocky, but it's, it's not cockiness. It's the comfort in knowing that all I got to do is do this and just put in the work. Mm-hmm. And someday I'm going to get have that skill. And that's the other thing too, someday. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's not maybe going to be next month. It might not even be six months from now. But the thing is, is just as long as you put in the work, it's going to happen. And I think things happen naturally to me or more apt to sit with you forever mm-hmm. than you just saying, oh, I can do that. Where, for example, a person like, just trying to muscle up and they're strong enough and you know they have maybe you know the wherewithal spatial awareness to be able to place their body into a particular position so that they can get that muscle up on the first try do they own that movement no no but putting in time working up to it really focusing on the transition and and owning that thing in each progression and variation of that movement means you're never going to lose it. My front splits are a great example. Over the years, I've done it so much that even now, even at this age, I guarantee you, I can go to just go into my right leg front splits, left leg. No right leg front splits. I can go right down into it. Why? Because all the time I put in over the years and it's the same with everything, you know, and that's why like, you know, practicing a kata. And I'm not saying that katas are the most, you know, you should always practice a kata. But the thing is like, it, it's getting in those reps. And like you were saying before, that can let the magic happen because the more you do something, the more information you're going to see if you're open to it. 
And you're never doing this coming down to it. It's an upward spiral of where you're coming back to that at a higher level of understanding. And so the way that you look at it the next time is going to be like, oh, I've been doing this, I don't know, horse stance for a year now. But then there's that thing where it just kind of clicks and you're just like, oh, my God, this is why I'm doing this. And you see it in everything. Mm-hmm. And or that's maybe a bad example, but you're able to see how it can apply to other things. Therefore, you've got these other techniques. You've got these other movements where you might not even practice them directly, but thanks to the other things that you're working on and spending such good, diligent time performing them as well as you can, making them pretty, things happen. And really, I mean, to me, that's where everything is at. And I just shot a video about this a couple of days ago. It's just right. like- and you're, and, and, you're, yeah. and, you're learning, and you're learning all these things that you can't attach words to that are the undefined things that are, are around that thing that maybe you can put a word to. That Sometimes a I, coach can't explain to you. Right. And and and, yeah. and and maybe that's something that's like a little more accepted in other cultures. Maybe it's not because I haven't lived yeah. anywhere else, but I know that here it's a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around. Exactly. Like you are learning so many other things by doing something that's maybe defined or doing things that are undefined, but like you're never, if you give yourself the opportunity and really embrace that, you're learning crazy amounts of stuff that's just kind of entering your nervous system. Yeah. And, and, and you can't take that away. That's, that's, that's magical. Yeah. In Japanese, there's a phrase called minitsuku and minitsuku, uh, mi is karara, which means body. Um, and basically it's, it, it's attached to you. Something becomes attached to you. And they talk about this where, it could be like language. It could be a particular um, thing that you've been studying uh, or um, a thing that you've done for so long that it just becomes ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And this is also like with the apprenticeship where if you look at the sushi world where you first start off or whatever, you sweep floors, you know, and then you just make rice for how long? Who knows? Just for the <laughs> rice. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is you're, you're getting in that thing of, oh, okay, the importance of this particular thing, getting really good at it. And like they said, you know, the way that you do anything is the way you do everything. And so learning these good habits and, and also patience, to be honest, mm-hmm. I think that is a big thing that, that I see a lot of people don't have mm-hmm. in that uh, coming back to what you said before, where they want to jump to the next thing. Well, I often find that people basically, they want to be taught. They don't want to learn. Yes, and there you go. T- and they're two different things. And yeah. and I've said it before, and, I, and, and I'm sure a fraction of people understand what I'm saying, but I, I, I'm certain you get it because you come from martial arts. But like being a, a teacher is like, here's the thing I'm going to teach you. And you're, and, and often it's like a customer thing. I'm paying you, teach me this one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Learning is like, I'm just going to facilitate you learning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to learn. And oftentimes maybe it's just, you're not even learning the thing that I think you're going to learn. Like, and that, that's, that's exactly right. Because thank you for what you just said. That's really good because if we also project our expectation onto our student, Mm-hmm. then that's just for us rather mm-hmm. than it being for that student's interpretation of what is necessary for them at that point in their life, which we don't know. And so this is something that, you know, 
in terms of teaching, I've learned a lot too. It's less is actually more Mm -hmm. in terms of whatever it is you're doing. And um, yeah, I remember, you know, letting that student learn. Yeah. Letting that student learn. The best best teachers I've crossed paths with and the people that I've learned to be drawn to now are the people who are like, not, not teaching and not, it's not that they're not a teacher, but they're, they're not teaching in the way that people expect to be taught where they're exactly. like, here's yeah. the thing, here's the lesson, here's the, that, the, that here right. it is, here's the curriculum. It's more just right. like, let me create an opportunity for you to learn something. Right. Setting up and, the environment, a good environment for you to be able to experience that. And that's, what's so tough. And, you know, looking at all of the information that's out there, like, you know, it can be lost where you see a person and they might not teach or they might not show a lot of stuff and you're like, eh. you know, because people think more perceive more as being better. I gotta be honest right now in my life. I, I want less. <laughs> I want so, I mean, like you know, a, a book that I absolutely love is called the one, the one thing, you know, like the one big thing. And it's basically looking at like, what is that one thing that you can focus on that's going to allow you to be able to take care of the answers to the majority of all the other stuff that you're after and really dial in, find that. I mean, there's much, much more to it, you know, read the book, but um, it, I think that's huge because I th- you can look at that with everything that you're doing. If you're looking at a particular movement and a lot of people, you know, okay, splay the fingers, make sure your index fingers facing forward, elbow pits facing forward, make sure you have scapular protraction or retraction when you're performing this particular movement, hips at this level, blah, 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 you know, or you could just say, what is the one thing, the one cue that I could give a person that's going to help to achieve all of that? Mm-hmm. And this is what we spent a lot of time with, um, especially when we're looking at our elements program. If, if you're going to do the bear movement, a lot of people are like, you know, make sure pelvic tilt, you know, pelvic tilt, this, this, this. And I'm just like, push your butt up into the air as high as you can. Bam. It's going to, you know, it's not going to solve the world's hunger problems, but the thing is, is it's going to help to get a person a reference for what they need to do without over explaining, you know, and that I think is really over the years, what I'm trying to get better at is, is just what you said is setting up an environment for that person to be able to explore that particular movement without me getting in the way of their learning process. And, um, I've been doing this thing and and I think it's kind of right in the in the wheelhouse of what you're talking about and I don't know if it's something you can relate to but um you know you talk about like thing people speaking very technically and it's just like listen if we were to really describe everything that's happening whatever pick the thing the bear or whatever like we are so complex it would probably take days years or whatever to try to really talk about what's happening so what if, what if instead of speaking t- about something complex that you can't really put your finger on, how have we addressed things that are complex since the beginning of when we could communicate? We spoke poetically, right? And that's kind of what you're saying by like, pull your yeah. butt in the air, like yeah. speak poetically, tell, instead of saying what it is, say what it's like. So sometimes I'll like, I'll, I'll pair people off and I'll have them working together and teach each other this thing. I want you to be passionate about the other person getting it, but don't tell them what it is. Tell them what it's like. Yeah. Is it like swinging an ax? Is it like, 
you know, crawling out of bed, whatever it is, tell them what it's like, because that kind of embraces all the complexity of it. You know, when you, when you uh, yeah, be a little exactly. so poetic. Yeah. And that is the thing, like with learning, and there's so many different ways, internal versus external cueing, mm-hmm. you know, and also reference points. And, you know, that that's, we totally jones out off of that thing. You know, Andy Jarlow and I were all teachers and, you know, with Jarlow, he's a doctor of physical therapy. And so like, could go pretty deep if we really wanted to. Yeah. But, but, you know, just what you said, I think that um, there are quite a few places out there that actually over teach. Yeah. Really over teach. And um, yeah. Yeah. What, a, what, um, what are some of the diff? Actually, I have one of the one of these questions will be the last question. Cool, cool. But I'm going to let you choose it, and they're two totally different questions. Only <laughs> okay, because cool. only because they've been the two that are sitting in the back of my head. All right. Um, unless you feel like you want to try to answer them both simultaneously, or just both. Okay. Um, the first one was as you were talking about how different GMB is now from the beginning, which I find really interesting, and I'd love more on that. But maybe the one that I'm more interested in. Um, you talked about your interest in, in all things outdoors and, and kind of being in, in the world and in the environment. And I've like, for instance, I've been really looking a lot at like a lot of like bushcraft schools. Cause it's like, these are the things that I find really interesting and fascinating at the moment. Um, so I'd also love to hear about that. So one or the oh, other or, tough, yeah. or both, yeah. or we can, or we can flip a coin. Yeah. Now, um, how should I address this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So looking at GMB and then I'm also going to touch on bushcraft. So, um, the thing is, is there's so many different ways to do anything. And though it really comes down to what are the essentials? What are the essentials? And that's where we're going with GMB. Rather than, you know, even my programming from then and now is really, we're trying to look at, say, okay, how can we, streamline is maybe not the best way to say it, but what are the essentials? What are we trying to get after? What is the heart of what we're trying to get to when we're doing this? That's the same, I think, in terms of like, if you're looking at bushcraft. Okay, what are you after? Okay, uh, you're being able to survive, but what does that mean? Because it's dependent upon a particular goal. If you are in, for example, I when I went through, I went through uh, modified survival training when I uh, in Colorado, which is fabulous when I was younger. Um, thanks to being an Eagle Scout, I got the opportunity to go and do that, and that was a mountain situation. And it was very lucky because it was in the summer. So I didn't have to worry about a winter survival situation. And so the goal changes, but the essentials are the same. You still need to stay warm. You know, you still need to figure out where you are. You still need to stay calm. And then you need to make sure that, again, that calm translates into being resourceful in order to make sure that you're not doing something stupid to prevent yourself from being rescued and or getting out of the situation. And so it's the same with GMB in the terms of that we're looking at what are those essentials. And I think that not just with that, if you want to go a little deeper, I think that's what we should all take a look at in our life. What is really essential to you right now? 
you know, well, you're, what for you is going to be different for me. But at the core of it, it is pretty similar in the sense that there are certain things that we both need, okay? But it's a matter of where are we at in our life in regard to those certain things? And are we more comfortable with this? If so, therefore, we can spend more time on this, learning this. And so, likewise, with GMB, they're, you know, strength, flexibility, mobility. And we're really, or strength, flexibility, and control, pardon me. Then we have those three things. You might be fine with your strength right now. So then, okay, maybe let's spend more time focusing on this. And so, you know, the survival aspect of it is the same, okay? Um, I have my fire going. I'm good to go, okay? Taking care of that. So then, therefore, what is the thing that I should be focusing on? And so, you know, just I think looking at it that way, that's really kind of where we're hoping to go is the essential components of this and trying to be able to express those in a way it's going to allow a person to, um, you know, be more efficient in getting what they want. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm after, at least. Yeah. Nice. Well, have you have you watched the show alone? alone yeah alone no i don't believe oh. so well yeah. just i know hearing you talk about bushcraft you should watch alone they send like 10 people up to the arctic with their own camera oh, and they do have they? to film themselves and they have to survive going into a winter oh my see goodness. how long they can That's make crazy. it crazy it's uh it's a pretty epic show um yeah i actually don't watch a lot of tv but something like that i would definitely be interested in watching but yeah man survival bushcraft it's pretty amazing and the cool thing about that too is it goes deep because yeah. there's so many different environments and uh anyway yeah another topic well, i absolutely well, love well listen when the when the world changes here uh i realize now uh, among the many places that i now have to visit japan will have to move much higher on the list yes definitely and i'll come out and we'll uh we'll train some jujitsu for sure We'll go to the mountains. You'll go to the mountains with me. Yeah, yeah we'll, 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 yeah. we'll, yeah, you'll teach me how to uh, start a fire. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we'll do all the other training as well. Sounds cool, man. Sounds like Dude, a plan. Love I can't, it. I can't thank you enough for uh, making the time to do this. Well, thank you. Uh, I got to talk about some stuff that I've never really talked about. So that was well, really cool. Well, so, I realize, you know, on, on a lot of podcasts and things, especially things around like movement or fitness, I think it is like a lot of like similar conversations. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I, I don't know, I, I just really like, I like hearing people's stories and I like the, cool, I, I like, I like the chat. So I'm so happy that uh, it felt good on your end. Yeah. Thank you so much. Looking forward to uh, you being here in Osaka with me. <laughs> Killer man. I'll see you All soon. Right. Cheers. Thanks. Later.